Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Good morning and welcome to The Living Room. I'm Jana, I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by Jody and Michelle. And we're so glad to be talking together and um, talking, however, about something that's a little bit of a dicey topic, not dicey per se, but can be a tender topic. We're going to talk about grief, and it's so timely. I just got a text this morning from a really close friend of ours who just lost her brother-in-law to cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're young with children. This is a really heavy loss. And he was like a big brother to her husband. And um, the text that she sent me, she said something so beautiful. I'm actually going to pull it out and read it to you. She says, at the same time, we were completely absorbed in family and grief and love all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love that. just the way she described that. And I love that she sandwiched that painful grief and she acknowledged that they're devastated, right? But she sandwiched the grief in family and love. And I think that just makes the biggest difference. I think of all the times that we've suffered a loss and that's exactly what it is. If it's sandwiched in family and love, it kind of helps. It swallows up the grief in a sense. And um, so we're just going to talk a little bit today about loss and about ways to come through that loss on the other side. I think that um, loss can be devastating. It, it, it rips the rug out from under you. Those big crisis losses really can make you feel unstable and unsettled. And I remember, um, having a time where we'd experienced an enormous loss and then having to just walk through normal life and everyone else is behaving as if the world is still spinning. When in your eyes, it's completely not, right? The world has dropped, the, the ground has dropped under you and you're just so fragile and yet everything just keeps going on and you can't figure out, it feels so strange to be suffering and aching when everything else is just going on as normal and, and kind of moving past that alienation stage into a place where you can connect is really important. And I know for us, Uh, one of the things that really helped was for people just to acknowledge the loss. And um, that's, that's in fact why I just reached out to this friend because I'd only just now heard that their brother-in-law had passed away. And I wanted to let her know, you know, how, how much I felt that. And um, when people reached out to us, it, it helped connect us and it acknowledged our humanity. And frequently I remember, especially with an enormous loss, people sometimes avoided us and avoided saying anything because they didn't know what to say and it's awkward or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I would watch people pointedly avoid talking to us. And that makes the ache so much deeper. Mm -hmm. It really, really just drives the nail in deep. And I think that um, looking for ways to connect on any level, just to say, I'm sorry, what can I do? Makes an enormous difference. 
I think connection is what we need the most in times of grief. And then sometimes as we're grieving, we don't even think we're ready for connection because we're still in that raw place. Right. And so someone showing up and just simply saying, I'm here trying to connect allows you when you're ready to really, really connect to say, oh, this individual, you know, reached out and, and maybe you, maybe it will be a changing time. My grandfather just barely passed away um, earlier this month and he was 91. He was so ready to go. In fact, mm-hmm. a hospice came and I had such a privilege to be able to stay the night for a little less than a week helping to take care of him and my cute little grandma who's 91. And I just think being there was such a feeling of uh, of support and to my grandmother who was afraid to ask for somebody to stay because she's very independent and people, you know, even my parents were like, well, now, do you want us to stay? And she'd say, oh no, you've got work, you've got lots of things. And all I know is when I heard the ambulance came because grandpa came home from the hospital and had fallen trying to get up the stairs. Mm-hmm. I just dropped everything, drove over with my pillow and my blanket, and I just said, Grandma, I don't want to push myself on you, but I would love to stay if you want me to stay. And, you know, she's about 4'11". She's a tiny little woman, feisty as an Italian woman could be, but she said, that would be lovely, Jody." And so it was just in that moment of saying, you know, she might not know what to ask in that moment, um, but I just am so grateful that, that that's what I felt, you know, and that I could be there. But it's tender when you're going through knowing that death is coming and you're, you're grateful in the sense this individual was going through a lot of pain and suffering. But there's just still a grieving process that starts. But that connection, all of the family had different ways of connecting mm-hmm. and it was all right. None of it was wrong. It was all so needed and so right. So mm-hmm. I do think the goal should be connection and acknowledgement and never to just shy away from showing up or 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 saying i'm here no. i don't know what to do but i'm here oh it means the world it really does it makes a huge huge difference when um we had our little stillborn baby i had a woman a neighbor come over and she was someone that i knew okay but it wasn't super close to right well she came over just weeping and told me that she had um, had two stillborn babies before um, she had her kids who survived. And she just sobbed talking about how she um, how she worried about that her babies would be cold when they were buried. And she brought me a white blanket, a beautiful white blanket to bury my baby in. And oh, I just, wow. you, it, it was just so touching and so tender. And it was just, I think it meant as much for her to come and give as it did for me. But, oh, my goodness, the There's connection. Healing. Yes. There's healing. You just, oh, it is I can so just feel healing. that. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially at that time, I really pulled back. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just pulled into a cocoon. Um, but that gesture really helped me connect and pulled me out of that cocoon. You can't heal when you're isolated. You right. need the connection to move through the process. And so that was that was something that was enormous to me. I had another friend who just showed up every day after school at 3 o'clock. She taught school. And every day after school, she would show up. And there were days I thought, if I can just hang on till three o'clock, I know Carrie will come. And 
and those kinds of things again then the showing up the um being um willing to connect even if you don't know what to say even if you don't say anything at all just making some effort to connect makes an enormous difference yeah and i think that there are times where in in different opportunities i wanted a moment to be alone yeah um but that didn't last very long like i wanted a moment to figure out and be be close to my own feelings and to process some things, but that I needed other people to say it's going to be okay. And I needed to see how other people were going to show up for me and, and not in a way of expectation that led to disappointment, but just in a way that said, Hey, I need someone else to help me know that everything's going to be okay. And I love how that happens. I remember, um, I remember one time after my father passed away, um, his, his death was very public and he passed away of SARS in China when it, when there was a huge oh, wow. outbreak break and hundreds of people passed away, but he was the first American to die over there. So his, his death was very public and everyone knew, and I got tons of phone calls. Um, and I got tons of people who I would see and they would know, or people that I would like, I would go to the grocery store and they would say, you look so familiar. How do I know you? And I knew that they'd seen me on television, but um, I remember one night that was my favorite of all of them where I just had some friends come over and they were just being goofy and funny and trying to tell jokes and stories and um, enough to talk about my dad and, and enough to distract me from my dad. And I still have that vivid moment of seven of us being stuck in my mom's small kitchen, but mm -hmm. how grateful and warm I felt mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how they didn't. And because they didn't treat me differently and because they didn't shy away because there were so many people who were like, I don't know what to say. And they were uncomfortable and I was uncomfortable. So grateful for just friends who just showed up and just came and said, mm -hmm. Hey, and you know, there have been times where I've seen friends who are grieving where I go and I can tell they're still in their quiet place yeah. and they're not ready. Yeah. And I am careful and cautious not to insert myself. But there are other times when you show up and someone is like, I'm so grateful that you're here and still showing up, whether you show up just to pass something off and, and go, or whether you show up and stay for a while, I think that, um, we need that and other people need that as a way for all of us to kind of heal. Yeah. And, you know, something you can do when you're when somebody's still in that quiet place and there is there is a little wall and and sometimes it's you have to respect that and not penetrate it. I um, when my mom passed away, I had an old high school friend write a beautiful handwritten letter about things that they remembered about my mom. And oh. I was so grateful for that. And, you know, we'd moved hundreds of miles away. I hadn't seen this friend for ages, but that handwritten letter meant the world to me. And like we've talked about in a previous show, the power of a handwritten note, there's, there's so much of you that shows up in your handwriting. And I think that means the world that you took the time to sit down and write. And then also, um, Calling up memories is really beautiful and powerful. And lots of times when I have someone experience a loss, I'll ask them, tell me about your dad or tell mm -hmm. me about your brother because they want to share those memories and it kind of helps keep, keep a, a, a portion of that person alive. I think it's important to remember that pain is pain. And if we know that, then we're not comparing, say, if somebody loses their house which is a devastating process, right. but losing, say, a loved one. And pain is pain, and grief is grief. It's defined as emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just 
that, that awareness in ourselves to fully wrap our minds and our hearts around grief is to understand that someone's grief over something that you may not quite understand is still grief to them and respecting that and knowing that it, it, there's no judgment to say what you can grieve over and what you can't. And there's no, no comparison because pain is pain, you know, and there's all those different stages of grief. And I remember if I look back at the things where I really went through the stages of grief, I felt all of them. I felt the anger. I felt the depression. I felt the loss and the rejection that, and the denial that it, you know, even ever happened. And I had to go through all of those. Um, and then, and then really try and say, okay, oh, I think I'm ready to come out of it. And maybe one day I'd feel like I was coming out of it and then I'd close back up and then I'd be angry again. And I think the most important thing I've learned personally in the times that I've experienced true loss and true grief is I've got to sit with it a while and be okay with myself and how I'm reacting. I, I, in one period of time, lost a baby like you, but I, I, kind of defined what I thought should happen on a daily, weekly, monthly basis mm -hmm. in terms of what I should feel and how I, how it should look. And the reality is, is it you can't really define exactly what it is that you're going to feel and have expectations about how you're going to behave. Be kind to yourself as you're going through any grieving process. It's, it's important to just recognize that we've got to give ourselves space to grieve and and however that looks and however that comes out it's all part of the process it's we're all trying to heal so think of that as you think of being kind to yourself and then being kind to others their grieving process may look completely different than yours and uh, no judgment yeah, I have a beautiful cousin who's a clinical psychologist, and she said exactly that. She lost a baby to cancer at 18 months. Mm. And she said, after going through that, I will never judge anyone in their response to grief. And I think that's important for all of us to recognize that when somebody's grieving, they may act a little differently. They may pull back. They may act out. Whatever it is, just um, to recognize that that's part of their grieving and to, to honor it and not judge them, I think is really important. And to, and to not judge ourselves. Yeah, I, I think of an experience that a friend went through and she was not understanding why her um, mother-in-law was doing what she was doing at the time that this was going on. Mm -hmm. And the mother-in-law had actually gone to the mall. <laughs> and she just went, how in a time like this could she be going to the mall? And all of a sudden it occurred to the both of us. It's like, oh, it's that I need to just escape. I'm not processing this. And so it was, it was just good for her to catch herself before that conclusion was, you know, doesn't, isn't as concerned or isn't as, um, it isn't grieving as much as I am. So it, it can look, it can even look a little weird and a little strange sometimes, you know, to be honest from the outside or looking from the outside in. And so just it, it, it people could truly surprise us how they respond to grief. Oh, let me tell you, my husband, when we lost the baby, uh, spent probably two or three weeks refinishing his office floor. And for him, losing himself in the work was really important mm -hmm. for me. That was the opposite of what I needed. And, and I was, I was, you know, 
talking, yeah. you know, working yeah. through it in, in other ways. But for him, he had to, he had to lose himself in a project. Uh-huh. And that was, that was part of his working yeah. through the grieving stage. It was really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. When I was in the hospital this last summer, um, and I had had my lung surgery, my husband, one day somebody comes in to visit me and they said, uh, where's Christian? And I said, well, he's, he's at home. I told him to stay home because I was coughing so much, couldn't hold a conversation, blah, blah. And so that he was home digging up some pipes that our, our basement had started mm-hmm. to flood for the third mm-hmm. time in mm-hmm. two years. And so anyways, it was found out that he was digging up this pipe and I felt like I had to, I had to defend him. I mean, at this point we knew I didn't have cancer. I was healing and he needed, he had just processed his wife being told you have lung cancer. Now she has to have surgery. I mean, we didn't know what the future held. And I look Mm -hmm. at him and thought, I know him. I know who he is. I know he loves me, but he needed to go release that physical exhaustion and energy and, 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 and also save our basement from flooding, which was kind of a big deal. But the, but the thought was, is just, Oh, if you knew how much he went through, yeah, hearing what we might be facing, right. you wouldn't have questioned that he just he just needed to go get that thing done. You oh, know? Jeff would have done the exact. So same I thing. totally yeah. get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. be digging a pipe. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do anything, I mean, I could see me heading to the mall and spending a, a lot of money on a credit card or I don't know, retail therapy. Just I, I think. Again, how do we ever really know until we're in that situation what we're going to do? And some of it's going to be irrational. And then some of it will will be just fine and we'll come back to life and we'll go through that process. But I really think it's such a, it's just going to happen the way it happens and just let it be. Yep. Let it be. Mm-hmm. You'll get to the other side of grief. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard anyone go through something hard and say, at least as, as as far as time has passed, that hasn't eventually arrived at that place of, uh, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. They might not have loved that it happened, but I'm still here. Well, not only that, but honestly, in retrospect, and I'm talking years after the fact, there's even a form of gratitude that comes for the experience itself. Mm-hmm. Um, gratitude for the grief, because there's something really cathartic about that process too. And also sometimes just gratitude for the experience itself. And I think it can be really powerful. But you're right, in the moment, it's awful. And I had a mantra, in fact, at many times that I would say, let me just come through this kinder, wiser, stronger, deeper. Mm. And I knew that that if I could do that, I would be okay. And and I had a friend say um, to me once, wouldn't you just love to know, just know what's around the corner so you could brace yourself? I said, are you kidding me? No, I don't want to know because then I would never get out of bed and I would never go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, but what I do know and what I always want to know is that God knows what's ahead and that he will place the right people at the right time to help me through whatever it is I need to go through. And that knowledge has saved me mm-hmm. so many times. That's, that's really what we have to cling to. Yeah. It's the all-knowing, omnipotent power that knows how it all ends. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And, yeah. and it's interesting because, you know, we talked about doing the show and I kind of was like, eh, 
whatever I what and then sitting here I'm like just cataloging all those moments of times where I really felt true grief yes and no one is no one is uh, immune like no, no. we will have experiences we will watch loved ones pass away we will watch loved ones suffer in um their own own choices and circumstances yes. we will watch yes. loved ones suffer in um sickness and and want something else to happen. I sat and watched a baby in the NICU with 27 things and them telling me that he had a heart murmur and infections and all these big crazy things that sounded like he's never ever, like no one ever thought to say, don't worry, we got this under control. They just told me all the problems. And oh. so in that incident, I'm thinking, I'm going to lose a child. Like I uh -huh. am going to lose this child. And I, and of course we didn't and the NICU was amazing, but I'm grateful. And you talk about being gr grateful for it. But I, I just think that, you know, we talk, you can't be prepared for it. No, no. It, even when you know it's coming or you know someone's sick and they still pass, there's still amount of grief that comes with that. Even if they're, they're in their nineties and they've lived a beautiful life, there's still a fair amount of pain that comes. But yeah, um, I'm also grateful for those experiences. And while no one can really prepare you for grief and say, Hey, when grief comes, this is what you should do. Um, but going through the grief, you learn how to help others and going through the grief, you learn how to do it again another time. And it's one of those yes, very few things do. where we talk about, you know, you can te teach your kids gratitude, but you kind of have to experience grief in order to understand sure how that do. is. And we all will. Yes. We'll all have it. Yes. But you know, I think our kids watch us and I think they will see our response to grief. Mm -hmm. And I think they will see whether we approach a scenario with hope Mm -hmm. and with grace or whether we let it destroy us mm -hmm. and I think all of those things we can model too and I think there's a kind of grief that we haven't talked about that I think is very real too when you grieve something that maybe never was and maybe never will be mm -hmm. or perhaps yeah. was but never will be I know there are people who are, are grieving that they haven't had a child yet and maybe never yes. will grieving the the lost innocence of a child who's going straight on another path. There are so many things that you can grieve that you don't even categorize in, in a death or a loss. But I think that they're all so powerful. But I do think that our response to them in the moment, people are watching. Mm -hmm. And there are people who can learn from the way we go through an experience. Sorry. And no, I think that's so true. I think people watch us and it's, and it's almost like people see you more like, how is she going to respond? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the woman in our ward who lost her son on a mission, serving a, a oh, mission for the church brutal. and watching her walk to the pulpit to bear her testimony on a fast Sunday. And I was a mess yeah. and, and she had such a quiet strength about her, mm -hmm. but she mm -hmm. had done her crying. Let's be oh, clear. Sure. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. and I oh, think yeah. that each of us have those opportunities. Like I'm okay. If my kids see me sad, I want yes. them to see, I want them to see, like I, I went through two or three weeks after my grandma passed away where I was just sad about it. And she was in her, the latest parts of her life and she had lived a beautiful life. And I, but I was sad for the things that I wouldn't have with her right, yeah. and for the miss. moments that I, that she would miss. And, and while she was older, her death was somewhat sudden. She didn't have a disease for a long time. She was in a care center for a long time. She was fine one day and not fine the next. And so, but 
but I don't look, I remember one day feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm good today. I'm not going to cry. And it was like a big deal. And I, but I think it's okay for my kids to see me sad and it's okay for me to say I'm sad about this. And it's okay for them to see me transition away from that into happiness and joy and, mm-hmm. and grateful oh, for all those so things. And, and every one of those stages is good yeah. for people to yeah. see. It's good yes. for them to see the sadness and it's good for them to see the strength. Not only yes, important it is. is it, but it's vital. And mm-hmm. I love Brene Brown. Um, she says, you can't skip day two. And right. in many processes, mm-hmm. we cannot skip the middle part. And we want to because wouldn't it be nice to go through, okay, this is what happened. Skip day two. Oh, I'm fine. And I feel peaceful. But the work, the wholehearted work is what she calls it, is done on the second day. Mm-hmm. And your second day may last two weeks. It may last two months. Sure. It may last two years. But the work that you do and how you do it that is vital to healing and to to returning to that place that, okay, I can breathe again. And I do think it's important that our children see us go through things um, graciously and it, with great emotion of sorrow. And I think the key is, is authenticity, is to mm-hmm. be real about it and allow ourselves to show that scope of emotion Grief, if if it's not the most emotional of all of the emotions where it taps into every part of you, like I said before, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, the acceptance, you know, all of that. If if we're not emulating all of that and making it look like it's all good, it's all part of the the process in day two, then I I think then people learn, I have to deny that part of me. And that's where the danger comes in Mm -hmm. and you get that emotional roadblock. I agree. My daughter came over yesterday. She wanted help with a paper that she's writing for college. And it's a paper on the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And the assignment was basically what constitutes a perfect life. And she said, you know, Mom, I think I'm going to change the title because I want it to be what constitutes a pure life. I think just pure is good enough. And I said, you know, why don't you go look up what perfect means? And she came back and she says, oh, it's whole it's complete Mm -hmm. and I said that's exactly right I said pure is innocence perfect is whole and I said it this whole earth life isn't about being pure per se it's about going through these really tough experiences that one after another complete us and make us whole and we Mm. couldn't be that kind of perfect without going through grief Mm-hmm. No, we need it. And our Savior went through grief in his very, very gracious act that we can't even begin to fathom or describe by atoning for us. And with with his words on the cross, it tells us enough there was grief. Grief was present. And there was grief in his mother. There was grief in his disciples. But, but look at what he did with that then. And he even was forgiving in the moment. Uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then what happens? Then he goes to live with the Father. But I, I, that's how powerful but his grief words, is. It is finished. It is finished. Right? Mm-hmm. And there was an end to that suffering. And there will be for all of us. And that's the best part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. It's been a really, I think, a really helpful conversation. And mm-hmm. I've, I've, I'm grateful for what everybody's pitched in. I um, want to tell our listeners to give themselves and those who are grieving some living room. 
Thanks for coming to the living room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room. <laughs>